to the Old Testament, to the book of Second Kings, chapter 4, and we want to read from verse 1 to verse 7. Second Kings, chapter 4, from verse 1 to verse 7. Brother Dan, can we start with you, if you don't mind? <laughs> yes. So she went from him and shut the door upon her and upon her sons who brought the vessels to her, and she poured out. His ministry as a prophet recognized in his own stead. Uh, before that, of course, for quite some time, we're not sure how long he was, so to speak, the right-hand man of Elijah. But Elijah was taken to heaven in a whirlwind uh, in Second Kings chapter uh, 2. And so... 2 Kings chapter 3, or maybe the end of chapter 2, is the beginning of the public ministry of Elisha in his own stead as a prophet. Now in chapter 3, uh, Elisha was of service not to one or two, but rather to three kings. Jehoram, king of the northern kingdom, known as Israel. Jehoshaphat, king of the southern kingdom, known as uh, Judah. Jehoshaphat being a godly king. And the king of Edom joined with them uh, as they had an expedition, you might say, or perhaps a better word would be a campaign, which they mounted jointly, king of Israel, king of Judah, and king of Edom, against Moab. Against uh, Moab. Now, what did Elisha do in chapter 3? Uh, these three kings, with their armies, uh, ended up uh, being uh, in trouble, uh, because uh, apparently they did not take with them adequate supplies, specifically supplies of water. And uh, they did not find, apparently, a water source that was sufficient for their needs. And so the whole thing was going to do what? Was going to collapse because of not enough water. At which point, Elisha performed a miracle 
and uh, through Elisha, the Lord supplied uh, the uh, water uh, that was needed, and uh, Moab was uh, defeated. Now, I mention that because some people note the following. Here is Elisha, who performed a miracle which was of considerable assistance to not one, not two, but three kings. One of whom was a godly king, Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, the king of the southern kingdom. And yet at the beginning of chapter 4, which is where we are, he doesn't seem to have received any special reward, recognition, uh, or assistance from any one of these kings from any one of uh, these uh, kings. Uh, in the book of Ecclesiastes, there's a, a, a mention in chapter 9 of a little city that was besieged and a poor wise man who saved the city by his wisdom, but what happened? No man remembered him. Uh, no man remembered him. A Mordecai saved the king of Persia from a conspiracy, from assassination. And for quite some time, Nothing was done. Uh, nothing was done by the king or the kingdom uh, to recognize what had uh, taken uh, place. In chapter 4, we actually see uh, several miracles which Elisha performed. There is the miracle at the beginning of the chapter, which we read of the widow's oil. Then there is the giving of a son to the Shunammite who did not have children. Uh, there is the raising of that son from the dead. Towards the end of the chapter, there is a, uh, uh, a pot, a kind of meal that was being made that turned out to be poisonous, but Elisha made it whole. And at the very end of the chapter, uh, he fed a hundred men with only 20 barley loaves. Five miracles mentioned in this chapter. None of them is on that grand scale of what he did in chapter 3. In chapter 3, he performed the miracle, like I said, before three armies, before three kings, supplying them with the water that they needed. The Lord works on the grand stage, but he also works in hearts and lives of people on an individual basis. The high and the holy God who inhabits eternity and who dwells, it says, with the contrite and humble one with the one who, are, who is of a contrite and humble spirit, Isaiah 57 and verse uh, 15. Look at the book of Psalms and a couple of verses there. Isaiah 50, uh, sorry, not Isaiah, Psalm 50 and verse uh, 11. Uh, I know all the fowls of the mountains. I know them all. Uh, uh, the, the Lord says, the beasts of the wild beasts of the field are mine. Psalm 147 and verse 4, Psalm 147 and verse 4, he appoints the number of stars. He calls them all by their names. So he knows all the beasts of the field, and he knows uh, all the stars by name. And uh, the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2 and verse 19 that the foundation of the Lord stands sure, having this seal, the Lord knows them that are his. 
The Lord knows them uh, that are uh, his. So we see Elisha doing something in chapter 3, like I said, on the grand stage. And we see Elisha working miracles, doing the Lord's work in this chapter in ways that are somehow smaller and more restricted. But we should not think any less important. Jehoshaphat, Jehoram, and the king of and the king of Edom. All right, one should not think that they had blue blood, and so therefore the Lord was particularly interested in them, to the exclusion of uh, uh, of others. Uh, of others, uh, I read an interesting uh, story uh, about a young man uh, from Boston. That's the way I read the story. Uh, who was applying for a job uh, at a bank in Chicago. And a letter of recommendation was asked for. And so he had worked previously in the Boston area. And uh, he got someone to write a recommendation uh, uh, for him. And the recommendation said, this young man is of the finest families in the city. Uh, his father was from the Cabot family. Uh, his mother was from the Lowell family. Some other relatives further up in his family tree were from the Peabody family. And so on. This is what the recommendation said for this young man from Boston applying for work at a bank in Chicago. The people in Chicago wrote a letter back saying, <clears throat> We are not contemplating using the young man for breeding purposes, just for work, <laughs> just for uh, just for work. <laughs> uh, so, with the kings and with others, with great, with small, by uh, by certain standards, the way certain people uh, think. There was a certain woman. Uh, she came to Elisha. Her husband had been one of the prophets. She speaks to Elisha and says, Thy servant, my husband, is dead. So it seems clear, although we don't know who her husband was, and people speculate. Some people say her husband might have been Obadiah, who hid the prophets in the cave mentioned in uh, First Kings in the time of, Eli uh, of Elijah. But that's just uh, a speculation. Uh, my husband, she says, but first she says, your servant. So Elisha knew her husband, and her husband had been in some way a servant of uh, Elisha. In some way, he had served perhaps under Elisha or in some way with, uh, with Elisha. That's all we know uh, regarding that uh, particular point. Uh, Thy servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he did fear uh, the Lord. You know that he was someone who feared uh, God. Uh, Psalm 103 in verse 11 says, uh, As the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. Uh, Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7, The fear of the Lord is the beginning 
of knowledge. Ra's al-hikmah, makhafat Allah. Makhafat Allah. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, the end of uh, the book. Let's hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of uh, man. So, my husband, your uh, servant, uh, one of the prophets, that's what we understand from the beginning of the, of the verse, and a God-fearing person. And yet, this man apparently died poor, leaving behind him a certain amount of debt. And, the, and this amount of debt put his family in a difficult situation. Now, we're not saying that this was the prodigal son. Remember the prodigal son took a whole bunch of money from his father, went into a far country, wasted the money with riotous living. But this was a God-fearing man. So his situation was not the result of some, uh, some uh, profligacy on his part. Um, and this is a reminder that those who follow the Lord uh, those who trust in him and serve him are not always prosperous in this world in terms of material things. Perhaps you have heard the term, the gospel of prosperity. There are people, especially, they somehow end up more than others on television uh, uh, in, in uh, certain places. And they stand up and they say, Believe in the Lord Jesus. And if you believe in the Lord Jesus, he has promised to bless you. And you'll have three houses and ten cars, two helicopters and an aircraft carrier. And they build an empire out of this kind of message, which rings a number of bells in the minds of some people. Tickles the fancy of certain uh, people. And so this gospel of prosperity, though, is a gospel that uh, we don't find in the Bible. I wonder sometimes whether people who believe in the gospel of prosperity, whether they have actually ripped out of the Bible the book of Job. <laughs> and, of course, other places and other passages uh, as well. What about, for instance, Lazarus and the rich man? What about, uh, what about uh, that? Why was this uh, man who had passed away, uh, who had gone to be, the Lord, uh, to be with the Lord. Uh, why was he poor? We, we don't know. We don't know. Perhaps it was on, on account of his faithfulness, on account of his service as one of the prophets, and on the account of opposition from wicked men. The northern kingdom, which is where Elisha served, and likely where this, uh, uh, where this whole event took place, the northern kingdom was in a place that was ruled by evil kings. Ahab had been king uh, before these times. His son Jehoram was now king, uh, probably just as uh, evil. There might have been uh, persecution. There might have been famine. Remember, there was famine at the beginning of the ministry of Elijah. One commentator points out that when this woman asked for vessels from her neighbors, to borrowed vessels, all right, in times of prosperity, you wouldn't be able to borrow a lot of empty vessels. Uh, maybe, maybe you would, but it's an interesting, 
observation that uh, perhaps this was itself a time of, uh, of famine. She inherited the debts of her husband, and uh, she didn't have uh, uh, any uh, money with which to pay these debts. And so the creditors wanted to come and take her two sons to be uh, slaves. Now, if I'm not mistaken, the law did allow this to take place. But on the other hand, the law also included a number of very humane provisions for the needy. And this is something we've considered at other times. Uh, notable among such provisions, one that we often think of, but not the only one, uh, was the opportunity to glean from the harvest, uh, that opportunity which Ruth benefited from. Also, those who were taken slaves in such a way because of economic necessity, and that's the only thing, only way that that was allowed, uh, they were supposed to serve only until the next year of Jubilee, until the next seven year. Uh, so there was a seven year period, and at the end of seven years, debts were supposed to be forgiven, and uh, people were supposed to be released from, uh, from this kind of uh, servitude. Now, did they implement such measures at the time? Well, the Bible tells us that they didn't keep a lot of what had been commanded. But nevertheless, this was part of the law. And the Bible tells us in the Old Testament that God is a father of the fatherless and a judge of the widows. And so there were a number of provisions under uh, the law that were meant to help those who were in a needy uh, situation. The creditor is coming, and he wants to take my two sons. Elisha did not say, be warmed and be filled, <laughs> uh, as it says in James chapter 2 and uh, verse uh, 15. Um, also, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 17, whoever has this world's good and sees that his brother is in need and shuts up his bowels of, com bowels of compassion from him, how dwells the love of God in him? So, Elisha didn't say, this is none of my business. He said, first of all, what shall I do for you? Now, what did he mean by this very first statement which he uh, made? Now, obviously, he intended uh, to help, and he wanted to help. He was not turning her away. And perhaps what he meant by this first uh, statement that he made uh, is that I cannot help you in my own power. I cannot help you in my own power. I don't have a whole bunch of money myself. I don't have a store of resources, a reservoir of funds that's sitting by which I can uh, call on. And so perhaps in the very first statement that he's making, he's saying uh, that it's not me who's going to help because I can't. It is the Lord. It is the Lord. Uh, I've heard Pharaoh said to Joseph, I've heard that you can interpret dreams. And Joseph said, no, it's not me. It is God. Uh, it is, uh, it is uh, God. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar, in a somewhat similar way, uh, uh, said, uh, are you able to? 
Give me the uh, dream and the interpretation thereof. And Daniel said, listen, soothsayers and magicians and astrologers and wise men, uh, they uh, cannot help you. But there is a God in heaven. But there is a God in heaven. And also in the New Testament. Uh, when the man who was lame was at the beautiful gate and asking uh, Peter and John for a handout, what did they say? They said, silver and gold we do not have. Silver and gold have I none. Such as I have, I give unto you. In the name of, the, of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Uh, what shall I do for you? It's not a matter of something that I will do in my own power. Then uh, he asks the second question, what do you have in your house? What do you have? So much of the time we think that whatever problem, whatever difficulty, whatever trial and hardship that we face will be solved by having more by having something else that we currently do not have. And our mind goes towards material things, and so we think, if only I had more money, this problem somehow would be taken care of. If I had more possessions, or if I had more friends, especially those with influence, if I had more helpers, if I had more this, if I had more that. And somehow the Lord works in a way which makes use of what we already have. As if he's trying to tell us, no, it's not a matter of having more in that sense. Remember Moses? Lord, uh, what am I going to do? How am I going to do this? How am I going to go to Egypt? They won't believe me, blah, 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 blah. What do you have in your hand? A rod. And the Lord used that rod in a very special uh, way. The Bible tells us that uh, Samson found what? When he was facing the enemy, he found buried in the sand an AK-47. <laughs> All right. Uh, or if you're a fan of things that are more of a Western make, uh, an M-16. <laughs> At F-16, I remember a time a long time ago when the Marines were here along with uh, the multinational force. There were people from France and Britain uh, uh, as well. Were there Italians? Maybe there were Italians as well. And there were some people who came, uh, Marines. There were some people who came to church. This is the early 1980s from the Marines uh, who were stationed near the airport. And, of course, there was suicide bombing. Uh, one of the many terrible, terrible things that happened uh, during those times. But I remember them coming. First of all, every one of them seemed to be this tall. <laughs> Shoulders that broad. And then they had these really big guns. I mean, I wasn't a particular fan of guns, but in the time of the war, we became familiar with guns. These really big guns. They'd come in, and they'd sit in the back, and they wouldn't actually keep the gun with them. They'd sit in the back pew, and they'd put the guns behind the back pew, leaning against the wall in that corner that's under the... <laughs> uh, uh, or, or, or over there, you know. Uh, that Samson didn't find an M16 or whatever gun it was. He found a jawbone. Uh, he found a, a, a jawbone. Uh, 
Oh, what are we going to do to feed all these people? Uh, 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 Philip said, when the Lord Jesus told them, give, uh, give them something to eat. And then Andrew came and said, there is what? There is this, there's this little lad, and he has what? And he has five loaves and two fish. Five loaves and two fish. Judges chapter 6 and verse 14, interesting statement. The Lord told Gideon, go in this your might. Now, if you read Judges chapter 6, you don't come uh, away with the impression that Gideon was a very strong person. (laughs) But yet the Lord tells him, go in this your might against the uh, Midianites. You will save Israel from their hand. What did uh, Elijah see when he prayed that there would be rain? First of all, he saw what? A little cloud the size of a man's hand. Uh, What killed Goliath the giant? A huge boulder, (laughs) which David managed to to, uh, propel towards him by building, you know, one of those things, a catapult that they used in the Middle Ages, all right? Uh, In Arabic, uh, Leslie, as you try to translate it, that's minjaniq. (laughs) All right? A little pebble. A little, a little pebble. Uh, The Lord Jesus used a little child to give his disciples a lesson in uh, humility. And the Lord said, to the church of Philadelphia, because you have a little strength and have kept my word and have not denied my uh, my uh, name uh, by uh, have not denied by my name. Oh, the solution is for us to have gobs of money more, for us to have this or that additional things that we don't have. What do you have? And the Lord is able to use it and to work uh, through it. I have a little bit of oil. She did not seem to have uh, anything else. And this goes along with her situation, a situation of desperation and destitution. In other words, when he asked her, what do you have in your house? She didn't say, oh, I've got, you know, bars of gold and that kind of thing. She'd already done all that she could and perhaps sold what she could sell to try to deal with the situation that she was dealing with, that she was facing, and there was just a little bit of uh, oil. Some think this might have been from a small kind of vessel that was used for anointing the head of uh, someone. Anointing the head of someone, we know about prophets anointing people, but also anointing with oil, to some extent, something that people did uh, with a guest to honor him and to show uh, respect. Whatever she had in the way of a vessel containing this oil, it didn't seem to be a vat. It didn't seem to be a tub. She said, I don't have anything except a little pot, a little a container, a little vessel of oil. Now, oil was valuable at that time, perhaps more valuable than it is now, uh, used in various uh, ways in food, used in various ways as uh, a medicine, uh, used in other ways as well. For instance, things made of leather, sometimes they would put oil on them, make the leather uh, soft. So it had its value. All right, you just have this little 
container, this little vessel uh, of oil. Now, I want you to go and borrow vessels from your neighbors, empty vessels and not a few. Notice that Elisha did not say, abracadabra, go home, and now you're going to find that in the place of this little vessel of oil, there's a big vat. Or, in the place of this little vessel of oil, you now have a thousand little vessels of oil. Problem solved. That's it. It's over. It seems that the plan was one which involved her doing something. Some, uh, a plan which did not make her totally passive, did not make her totally a spectator. As if there is a desire for us to do what? To obey. To exercise faith to put faith and trust in God and in his com commands, to put it into practice. Some other people say that perhaps Elisha, in a special way, wanted this oil, yes, to be used, but how? Not by being hoarded, but rather by being poured out. And poured out, in some sense, speaks of giving, Think of what it says in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 11 and verses 24 and 25. There is he that scatters and yet increases. And there is he who withholds more than is fitting. It tends to poverty. The liberal soul shall be made fat, shall be made fat. And he that waters shall be watered also himself. The book of Ecclesiastes says, cast your bread upon the waters. You will find it after many days. Uh, the Lord Jesus said, give and it shall be given unto uh, you. Elisha did not say, here is uh, a word, a magic spell, abracadabra, as I said, now there are going to be a thousand little containers of oil instead of one. Neither did he say, okay, I'm going to come to your house and I'm going to pour out the oil. Now, there is a place for a leader, there is a role for a leader, and Elisha is playing that role. But there's also a place and a role, indeed, perhaps we might say a need, for each of us to hear and to believe and to act, to follow and to obey. Remember how the Lord Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And then he said, believest thou this? Do you believe this? Do you uh, uh, believe this? So, go and do uh, these uh, things. Uh, when you are come in, he mentions as well in uh, verse 4, you'll shut the door upon you and upon your sons, and you'll pour out into all those vessels and set aside that which is full. So he gives her actually not one thing to do, but when you think of it, a sequence of things to do, several things to do. And what did she do? She went and she did them. She went and she did them. Uh, interesting phrase that uh, appears again and again in Exodus chapter 40, the last uh, chapter of the book of Exodus. This is the chapter of the setting up of the tabernacle. And again and again it says, Moses set up the 
brass altar as the Lord had commanded. And he set up the laver, and he set up this and that, different parts of the tabernacle, and it mentions some seven or eight times, as the Lord had commanded. And so she went, and she did uh, what the Lord had said. There was a public aspect to this. Uh, uh, she was commanded to do certain things that would be apparent to those around her. Uh, around her. And the way things are, I imagine that as she asked people, please, empty vessels, all the empty vessels you can give me, I think there might have been some questions about what was going on, about uh, why she was doing that, and perhaps more than questions, perhaps a little bit of ridicule, perhaps a little bit of scorn uh, mixed in. And Perhaps this reminds us that if we want to do the Lord's will and follow him faithfully, that here and there there'll be criticism, hostility, enmity, scorners, and scoffers. Ultimately, as the Lord worked, the fact that some of this was public, I think there's no doubt it turned to a testimony. Uh, uh, it turned to a testimony. There was also a private aspect of what she was asked to do. Go into your house and shut the door. Shut the door, maybe, maybe this would serve to convince people or help people understand that it wasn't that, you know, oil was brought in, you know, some trick was pulled. Because let's face it, there are lots of people who talk about oil bleeding out of paintings or images or all sorts of stuff like that. And, uh, the shutting of the door might make things uh, clear. And um, it reminds us maybe in another way that not, not everything that the Lord does in our lives, in us and through us, not everything is somehow meant for show. Uh, for show. Now, the Bible says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. But sometimes there's a showiness that maybe has a different spirit behind it or, or, or a different mindset behind it. Remember John chapter 7, the, uh, the brothers, half-brothers of the Lord Jesus told him, go to the feast and show yourself openly before people. Also the devil said, throw yourself from the temple and the angels will rescue you. And uh, remember when... Uh, the Lord Jesus came to the house of Jairus and the daughter, we don't know her name, had already uh, died. He said, she's not dead, she sleeps. And they started to ridicule. So what did he do? He cleared the house. <laughs> uh, he cleared uh, the house. Uh, he got people out. Uh, and the only people who were there who saw the miracle actually to take place were her parents and Peter and James and John and Peter, and James, and uh, John. So here they are, with the vessels. Uh, they shut the door. She is there with her sons. They bring the vessels to her. Some little thing of oil, and here you are with a pot, and with a pan, and with a bucket, and with, you know, a pitcher, and with everything and every, anything that she's been able to borrow from her neighbors. You know, it, it's 
wouldn't it have crossed their minds that, that what are we doing? <laughs> it doesn't seem to make that much sense. This little thing is not even going to fill the very first pot. Lord, we've toiled all night. Nevertheless, at thy word, we'll let down the net. Good for you for letting down the net. And when they did, what happened? They found that the net was fuller than they expected. And the net began to break and the boats began to sink. Uh, Not one, but two, after they had called their friends in the other other boat. It's... uh, Somehow interesting to just imagine this scene where they are shut in with lots of pots and pans and pitchers and containers and vessels and starting to pour out that oil. It's interesting to think of what it might have been like and the expressions on their faces as the Lord began to perform to perform a miracle. Some people think that uh, one of the sons was bringing her the empty vessels and the other one was taking the what was full away. Actually, it says they brought the vessels to her and she poured it out. She poured the oil out and it flowed and it kept on flowing and it kept on flowing. Deuteronomy 33 and verse 25 says, As thy days, so shall thy strength be. You will not outlive the supply of the Lord. The supply of the Lord will be up to the end, to the very uh, end. He has promised to help in the time of need. He has promised to give sufficient grace. Sufficient grace. الناس رح يعرفوا ما بعرف بنفس الطريقة الرب يسوع المسيح لم يصنع كل العجائب أمام الناس ما صنع كل العجائب أمام الناس كان في شهادة عامة قدام الناس أنه استعارت منهم وبتصور أن عرفت القصة أن عرفت القصة نوع من الخصوصية محل ما الإنسان بنوع بطريقة ما ينبغي أن ينفرد مع الرب يعني في شيء بالإيمان محل ما الإيمان فردي لكن أيضا جماعي في 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 شيء عام بس في شيء فردي كمان ادخل إلى بيتك إيه ادخل إلى مخدعك yes 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 Brother Ibrahim is saying, remember how uh, the Lord Jesus said, enter into uh, the closet and pray, and the the Lord who hears you in private will reward you before uh, before all. Remember remember Elijah, and uh, remember what happened down here in uh, Zarephath. I say down here as if it's a a stone throw away, Uh, but down here between uh, Sidon and uh, Tyre. And remember how Elijah said to the widow, another widow, the barrel of wheat and the cruise of oil will not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. 
And so the Lord will work this work to the very end. To the very end, in that case, of the time of famine here. To the very end of what? To the very end of all the pots and pans that were available and containers and uh, pitchers. And in some sense, with Elisha performing a miracle somewhat similar to what I was just mentioning for Elisha. Remember, what did Elijah say? He said, I want a, a double portion of your spirit. And indeed, he ended up performing miracles that were similar. The woman returned, and this is an interesting uh, thing that I, that I think we should not forget. Because here she is now, and she has a bunch of oil, and the oil is very valuable, and she might say, oil, yes. Of course, what I should do is I should sell it as quickly as possible because the creditors might come. Or I need to sell it as quickly as possible because it might spoil. Or I need to sell it as quickly as possible because just like it appeared miraculously, it might disappear miraculously. But she didn't do any of these things. She did something interesting and I think notable, commendable, which is that she went back to Elisha. She went back to Elisha. She came and she told the man of God. She came and she told the man of God. Remember how the Lord Jesus cleansed the ten lepers, but only one came back? Only one came back? Uh, Genesis 46 tells us Jacob heard that Joseph was alive and Joseph was in Egypt. And he started heading in the direction of Egypt, but he stopped at Beersheba and he sacrificed to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to him and told him, don't be afraid to go down into Egypt. Oh, it's so obvious I should go to Egypt. So obvious that I should sell the oil. Go back to the Lord, or in this case, go back to the man of God who told her to do what? Uh, told her to go and to sell the oil, pay the debt, and live on the rest. Because the Lord gives not just enough for the debt, but he gives above that which we need. The feeding of the 5,000. It says that afterwards, after everyone ate and they were full, what happened? They gathered 12 baskets. They gathered 12 baskets. The Bible tells us that he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Al-Qadr and yamal akthar bi kathir min ma natlub aw naftakir. Uh, I read a couple of stories that in some ways uh, uh, might illustrate this. One story is about two men who happened to be fishing. Who happened to be, uh, happened to be fishing. Somewhere in those lakes in Minnesota uh, or someplace like that. Two men who happened to be fishing. Now, they, they, they weren't there uh, as friends or partners. They just happened to come to this place and start fishing. And they were catching fish. One of them noticed that the other one had a ruler, Mastra. <laughs> and uh, he noticed that this other person, when he would catch a fish, he would measure it with the ruler. You know, let's say, see if it is, well, I don't know, six inches, what's, six inches or less. If it was more than six inches, throw it back. More than six inches, throw it back. More than six inches, throw it back. Usually you want to keep the big ones. <laughs> uh, 
And so after he saw him measure uh, more than six inches, throw it back, finally he asked him, can I, can I ask you about the ruler and, and how you're throwing away the big ones? And I hear you saying six inches. Why are you throwing away the big ones? And he said, at home, my pan is six inches across. <laughs> and so I can't do it. I just cut it in half. <laughs> My pan is six inches across. And so that, that's it. <laughs> but the Lord doesn't give in the kind of limited way. In a limited way. Another story, interesting story. There was a little girl who with her mother passed by a candy store. And uh, they bought something, and uh, a man who uh, was uh, there, the owner of the store, uh, as is often the case, they, they want to be nice to their customers. And so one of the things in the store was that they were like jars, you know, these jars of candy, glass jars. And, uh, and uh, so the owner of the store, after the lady had bought something, told the little girl, why don't you take a handful of candy? And she didn't respond to that. Uh, she appeared to be shy. And so he stuck his hand into the jar and told her, here. All right? And so she said, thank you very much, and she went out. And then when they went out, her mother told her, he told you to take a handful. Why didn't you take a handful? And the girl said, I thought that he might give me a handful, and his hand is bigger than mine. <laughs> I thought that he might give me a handful and his hand is bigger than mine the Bible speaks of the Lord in Ephesians chapter 1 and says uh, that uh, he is the fullness uh, that there is a fullness of him that fills all in all that fills all uh, uh, in, uh, uh, in all uh, he fills those empty vessels and how we need to be emptied of certain things and how we need to respond to his commands. Why this experience? All sorts of answers can be given. One answer is this woman and these two sons, they had a greater knowledge of the Lord and a greater appreciation for his power and a greater faith in him because of the fact that they passed through this experience. And my dad used to tell people when he traveled to the U.S., and this was during the time that the Civil War was going on here, he would tell people in the U.S. that you have an understanding of God's protection, but since we live in a place where there is war, we have a greater understanding. We know more about God's protection than you do. And uh, this woman and her sons came to know more about God's provision and his faithfulness. Uh, and his uh, faithfulness. So why does God allow a need, a difficulty, a crisis, a hardship? So that we will know him more and his uh, power and uh, his power. Uh, empty vessels. Remember, uh, Gideon was told, oh, these are too many people. Uh, these are too many people. And so the Lord winnowed them down to a smaller number. And uh, then they took with them pitchers uh, 
that were empty, and inside there was what? There was a light. And uh, what do we need? We need God's uh, light. Uh, we need uh, God's oil. Uh, we need uh, God's oil, uh, which he gives to all, to all his children. Because God's word also says, you anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Go, sell the oil, pay the debt, live on the rest, you and your children. Does the Lord provide? He did in those times. He did before that, as we mentioned in the time of Elijah. Yesterday, today, forever, Jesus Christ is the same. His arm is not shortened. His love is not dimmed. His power is not diminished. As he has done, so he can and will do to provide for his children and for their needs. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your servant Elisha. We thank you, Lord, for this woman and her sons and their obedience to the word that you gave to them through that man who served you faithfully in those times. We thank you, Lord, for your power, for the fact that the little oil in your hands will fill all the vessels, every one, and you will provide for the need. We pray, Lord, that you would increase our faith that you would help us to know that these are not pretty stories, legends and myths from a time when people didn't think straight. And over time, the story has grown. But rather, we believe and know that this is the word of God and that these things were recorded for us and for our admonition. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to look unto you in every need. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to heed your word, to do your will. Help us to know that your oil, that your spirit, can fill and provide all that is needed. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.